Hey everyone, good morning. This is Clifford Eyes with The Mortgage Morning and with Gershman Mortgage. I'm with Gershman Mortgage, a loan officer, been with them for about 12 years now uh, with about 20 years experience. I'm sitting here with Elaine Montgomery with Murney and Associates. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yep, I'm Elaine Montgomery. I work at Murney and Associates. I've been in the business for about since 2012. Love it. And uh, one of my many blessings has been Clifford. He is that. always dependable and um, his processes are smooth and seamless. So he's been awesome. So we're going to have a little bit of chat today. We were talking about uh, the importance of a pre-approval. And uh, I go to a great detail on that to make sure the income, the assets and their job history. And also I try to, uh, on my pre-approval, get them in their budget when right. I do that. Right. And we both know that's so important so we know where to, they can start shopping. But a lot of times we're working with people um, that don't have all the funds to pay their down payment and to pay all their closing costs. And we got a process we call seller concessions. And you and I, we were discussing that just the other day about it, how it affects the whole transaction. Mm -hmm. And I thought we'd discuss that a little bit. Um, but on each program, there's the ability to do seller concessions. And um, unconventional, if they put 5% down, we can ask the seller to pay 3%. And if they put 10, we can go up to six. On FHA, it's 6% seller concessions. USDA is 6% and VA is 4%. But on seller, can you kind of explain or help us understand what, what we're thinking of or what the buyer would be thinking of when we're talking about seller concessions? Sure. So what's surprising, and I think you know I've mentioned this, is a lot of times the buyers don't realize when they're asking that seller uh, to pay concessions, that is taking away from the seller's net profit. Right. And so that can put them in a less favorable light when we're out there in a busy market like we're coming off of. So but um, so we have to take that in consideration. And um, I, I have to explain that to them because I don't know where they think that money's coming from. But it, it definitely isn't coming out of the air. Is it? No, it's coming out <laughs> of the seller's pocket. So we have to strategize on that. And, uh, you know, if we've got a little room in where they are approved for, then sometimes we can Play with that a little Play bit. Play with that a little bit. So, well, when we talk about seller concession, we're talking about paying their closing costs and the prepaid items. Right, like their insurance and their taxes. And we're talking about also, sometimes we can work in the inspection, the home inspection part of that if we need to, but it's it's hard to do that because um, in my the, the things that I'm having trouble with right now is homeowner's insurance is really adding almost $500 to what we can we have to ask for closing costs. And I see that consistently across the board. And um, I have assistant Maggie and I said, man, we got to raise this. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to, because when I put numbers together, I try to get you very accurate numbers so you can negotiate with. Right. And, um, but I was, I was thinking um, if we, if we kind of discuss the USDA offer. Okay. Uh, today, it's 100% financing. They don't have to put a down payment. That's the advantage of USDA. Right. And then our buyer is limited. We have to, I have to make sure they have a, at least a month's worth of reserves. And that's basically all they have. So we're going to try to go in and negotiate them paying all their closing costs. Mm -hmm. Depending on the loan size, it's going to probably be about fifty-five dollars to $6,500. And how, how would you try to um, 
structure that? Would... Well, and fifty-five to sixty-five hundred dollars is a lot of money because Absolutely. again, if we're asking the seller to pay that, that's coming out of their pocket. So it probably took a hundred eighty thousand dollar transaction somewhere in there. One hundred eighty thousand. Okay. So, and uh, the other thing is, is that we have to remember that those are, of course, USDA. They can't be in Springfield. They can't be a battlefield address. A lot of times, the buyers aren't aware of that. So that's one of the first things I make sure they're aware of. Right. So in this area, so literally, I tell them they can't be. Uh, Springfield, Battlefield, or Brookline, actually. Yeah. It's a pretty good, if you drew a little circle around that, you're pretty well, anything yeah. outside of uh, Fellows Lake, north of it, works too on USDA. If it's Let a fair it. grove, not a Springfield. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of address. So, so that's that's a big deal, too. And so we'd go in and, uh, you know, we'd have a lot more chance now, I think, because right. the market is settling. In the past, you know, with the competitive, it was really challenging for the government loans and for the, the, the first-time buyers, a lot of time are who utilizing these uh, USDA loans and, and the FHA loans. So, but uh, you know, we would go in, we would try to make a competitive offer, but we would put the seller's concessions in there. A lot of times, the seller's gonna—that's one of the first things they're gonna counter back, though. Is, right. Is they're gonna ask for less seller-paid concessions, and uh, that's where it's really great when you send your pre-approval letters over. How you uh, usually tell me right. how much to ask for, and I know that you keep the percentages that they can do in mind, because uh, we don't want to go in and ask for sixty-five hundred if they're not going to be approved right. for more than forty-five hundred. That's just that's hurt their chances. And uh, so that's why your information is so valuable to me. So. Yeah. And when we're, we're thinking about trying to get people to understand the seller concessions, so we're basically saying, say we have a $180,000 purchase price, right? Right. If we, if the seller is going to pay $5,900, he's going to, he's going to, the seller's going to, I put it this way, he's going to pay the $5,900. He's going to pay the realtor fees, which is 6%. Plus, he's going to pay his own closing costs, mm -hmm. and that's going to be about what's got it. It's almost ten grand for so, everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. or a little over. Right, actually. right, right. And they know that going in. I mean, for most of it, you know. So, right. but the seller's concessions—that's the one that they don't always know. So it they don't on, realize that. Yeah, it depends on if they're. <laughs> well, they don't think the seller has closing their own closing costs. A lot of times, people don't realize that they're going to pay anywhere two thousand dollars more up to. By they pay the property tax back, they yeah. pay the title, their title search, and all that. Mm -hmm. People don't think about that either. I don't believe. No, I don't think so either. But you know, I always remind them on the on the taxes. That's something you would have had at the end of the year. Absolutely, this is saving you that end of the year hustle <laughs> when Christmas is around and stuff. So, but anyway, and so you know, if uh, if the home's one hundred eighty thousand, but they're approved for one hundred eighty five, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll try to you know make an offer where I'm splitting the whistle. Right. With it. So we, we make it a hundred and eighty-three thousand dollar offer when we ask for the fifty nine hundred or whatever. And uh, and then that way it's kinda like splitting it with the seller. They're only then giving up about half of it. So And one of the things I try to do when we get in these situations is there a family that could help them out. Maybe right. maybe we have to split it. Maybe we get a counter backwards to split. Uh-huh. Maybe we can go to a family member because family members can gift too and see if a family member can gift them twenty five hundred bucks to get the deal to massage to get it to work out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or you know, sometimes uh, when the market's right, I do have an option where I can give them a little higher interest rate and help offset the closing cost too. Oh really? We, How does yeah, that work? Well when we go over the par rate, go above it. Um, a lot of times we, it'll be one or two points. 
whatever the purchase price is, and then we can utilize that for the closing costs to kind okay. of help it. It doesn't usually, it might even cover about half of it. Hmm. But the problem is, <laughs> it's per deal. You know, right. Each per, deal is special. Every deal is special. And you we know that. In. Yes, we know that. <laughs> it's a different scenario on every single transaction we it do. It is. It is. It's, uh, we communicate so well together. That's why I enjoy it. Elaine stays right on top of her stuff. And we have a very good communication. We stay, we help each other stay on track, which is pretty cool too. And, but we definitely know every deal is a different transaction in every scenario. But, um, you know, we were talking about conventional. I do see, what do you think on, I, I was going to go into this little bit of the market. I see the market getting competitive again, very competitive. Because I've always do my best to try to put people in conventional loans if we can, because we do have the hundred percent down three percent. We could do uh, our three percent down for a conventional loan for a first time home buyer if they haven't had a home for three years. But which um, is great, you know. And I, I know we didn't talk about this, but what what's your feel for the market coming into things? Well, I what I've been seeing on the listings and stuff is a lot of the sellers are not putting that they'll accept a government loan. Right. And so that cuts my buyer's opportunities down greatly. And so, um, you know, I always encourage them if they can get the conventional loan, it's the way to go. Uh, PMI, you know, being able to get out of that after they reach the uh, 80% uh, equity. Uh, And uh, so I like the conventional loan, Uh, not as picky on the appraisals. It's just easier, smoother process, I think, for the buyers. So... So we are going to kind of trying to talk about the appraisal. So on government loans, what we're trying to, um, whenever the appraiser goes out, there's going to be repairs. There may be repairs on a government loan. That's why it's kind of a negative in a, a very strict market. It's why did the seller want to mess with repairs, right? Right. right. Or we got to figure out a way to cover the repairs. Right. And what it is when the what happens is when the appraiser goes out. And they do the inspection. Basically, I tell people if they see something that's detrimental to the structure's life mm-hmm. or a safety issue, mm-hmm. we have to address it. That's right. And mildew is a big one. Roofs seem to be an issue right now. Everybody wants a new roof, and it drives me crazy. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but it does drive me crazy. <laughs> it would drive and it would definitely drive the seller crazy. So it does but drive the yes, seller crazy. Yes, it drives crazy the seller crazy. Well. It does. You know, so. and uh, but. Uh, that's your job to negotiate that and work through that, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, so once we get to that approval and it comes back with contingencies, then we're basically, re, like you said, renegotiating it. We're Absolutely. going to work and, and uh, work through that together and see if we can't, you know, the, ultimately if the insurance covers the roof, it's usually not as big of a deal. But it's when that house won't qualify for the insurance for the roof that we really uh, struggle. So. I did want to touch real quick on inspections. So on every deal, most generally, everyone's doing a home inspection. Yes. And they go in and they do a home inspection and they point out every negative thing on the house. And that's their job. It right? is their job. You know, and how do you work with that? Because most generally, if I'm buying this house, I've, I'm thinking I want a perfect house. But the realistic to have a perfect house, unless it's a brand new house, isn't real, very realistic. And yeah. How do I? How do you handle me on that? And you know, even on new construction, they're Absolutely. not Absolutely, I was going to say that, but uh, we recommend an inspection even on a new construction because there's s- things that get overlooked, especially when they're done. Yeah, there should be a review. Someone else. The the thing I know, we get this wow 
thing and mm-hmm. we want that house mm-hmm. and we aren't realistic when we're looking at even I when I bought my house right it, you know I miss things right I even did a home inspection and things were missed and yes. that's disappointing too yes very it, um and that's one of the things as an agent particularly on these government loans when we're walking through I try to look for things that I know are going to make it a no-go right. you know peeling flaking pain is a pet peeve for the government right they don't and, like them. Uh, not at all you know and uh especially what What's lead-based paint? 1978. Anything prior to 1978. It's an issue. Is big it? issue. Well, I mean, you got to have that disclosure. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, peeling and flaking paint, they're just not. And, and then if that does get called out, it has to be scraped and it cannot just go on the ground. That's another thing. A lot of people, they think that they can just scrape that and leave it on the ground. It's, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. So lead-based paint can be a big deal. So newer homes are usually a little more, less headache and a little more. Uh, positive for a government home. So when you're doing a, it's called, um, when you do a, a inspection addendum, mm-hmm. what are you focusing on to try to help your your buyers handle or what, right. what guidance are you giving them on that? Well, so try to prepare them going in that it's going to be uh, 22 to 50 pages the inspection is on wow. average is how many pages an inspection is, which can be overwhelming. So I try to prepare them that going forward, going in. And then I try to remind them anything you know, you want this, if you want this house, you know, we, we want to focus on what what's going to be a problem for you or what's a real concern for you. Right. We can't ask for everything or we're going to just overwhelm the seller. So we'll try to use common sense. You know, caulking is something anyone can do. Right. So try to, those sort of things. And then we look at the big items and the items that uh, that are most important to the buyer. And, uh, and we... We try to streamline those and, and ask the seller for what we think is really going uh, to be necessary. And most sellers, are, you know, are pretty good. Unless they're listing it as is, which we see a lot more of lately, then they're prepared. They know their house isn't perfect. So so we come. So and then it's a negotiation. So we write a list. And the thing about that is if you even think about it, you have to have it on that first inspection uh, notice to the buyer, to the seller. And so if uh, they come back and say they're not going to do one of your items, you cannot add another item to that inspection notice. And so that's the first one you put in. Whatever we put in, that's what we've got to play with. And so that's another thing that I really make sure my buyers are aware of. So before you write up that addendum, do you get your own specialist to go in and re-inspect whatever the inspector says? Do you have to bring someone else like a foundation person, a roofing person or someone? They're big concerns. And a lot of times what I'll do as a buyer's agent is, you know, if the inspector calls a roof out, which they'll do it nine times out of 10, even if, you know, just because they don't want, you know, they'll call, they'll say refer to the the home inspector. A lot of times don't want, they don't want the liability. They don't want the liability. They want to if it looks or they just see the lightest thing, they don't want someone trying to come back and sue them, literally. Yeah. So they're really uh, common for them to refer a roofing specialist in or a HVAC specialist in. And so as a buyer's agent, I like to go ahead, have a, a reputable, reasonable roofer come in and assess the, the roof and let me know what they think. Right. And then I like to include their report with my home uh, inspection report so that they could because it's always the fear of the unknown right Mm -hmm. so if they've got a you know if it's if it's if we were to say repair the roof or replace the roof that that would overwhelm them but if we get someone comes in and they say oh you know really the only thing is we need to uh, replace a few shingles here knock down the pop-ups 
the roof's got five to 10 more years, then uh, we can get a bid for that and, and it's much easier. So yeah, that, that way, sense. so yeah. A lot of sense. So. When I send you my information, my approval and everything, mm-hmm. and I say, hey, this is the price range. I give you, I try to give you a, a, a range of what to look for. And we try to get a, I always encourage, the reason I always encourage people to get pre-approved and my focus is what's their debt to income and what they can afford. Right. And payment wise, because right. a lot of people don't realize what's going on there. And it's so important for them not to be looking higher. Absolutely. At the beginning, because if yes. we don't get a hold of them, we aren't keeping them reined in and they're looking at 20, 30. It's a huge difference. Just $10,000 difference. Isn't yes. It? Absolutely. That's why I like the pre-approval. I like to encourage it because exactly if you're looking at a house 20,000 more than yours and then you have to scale down, they're not going to be as happy with what's out there. They're going to so, be disappointed. They are. Big they time are. disappointed. They are. Uh, and I don't want that either. So that's why the pre-approval is so important. And uh, and then I find a lot of times uh, that uh, the buyers will set a budget for themselves on their payment that's even less than what they will qualify for, Absolutely. which is refreshing. Yes. Uh, so, and then that gives us the ability, if we need to creep up a little bit, we can. And so that's a really good scenario. So, Well, there is a lot of people that have never dealt with this or have no understanding what they're getting into because they're mm-hmm. first time home buyers. Exactly. We're, we're trying to give them the proper guidance and help keep them reined in a little bit, help right. them be realistic when they're getting out there. Right. We don't want them to get foreclosed off. <laughs> no, no. And if they buy in their comfort range and their budget range, then, you know, they, they're building equity and they can always, you know, real estate's a great investment. It's a lot better than paying rent. So they can always, you know, as they their family grows or their needs grow, they can always buy another home and and stair step it up. Well, so. and our goal is to take care of them because we want them to come back that second time and third mm-hmm. time keep using us. And to know that they can trust us. Absolutely. Yes. With integrity and, and appreciate our efforts to make sure they get in a home and that's right. That it works out good for them. Right. We're there we wanted that first one to be a really good experience. Absolutely. We want it to be the best experience they can have and have the best customer service, honestly. Both of us focus on customer service so much. It's it's, it's nice to work with someone like that. Yeah. Really well, I was a tr- customer service training manager for 11 and a half years. Oh, really? For Chase Bank. So, so yeah, I know, you know, it's important. Uh, and what they want, listening. Listening is important. Answering my phone, getting back to them in a timely right. manner. And you're great at that, too. And that's Answering what I, the phone is the most important thing. It is. It is. They, you know, because Through the whole process, the communication and, and, and people are in the dark. And we're not yeah. going to leave them in the dark. No, we're not going to leave them in the we're dark. We're not going to do that. No. So. But anyhow, guys, we appreciate your time this morning. If you have any additional questions or anything, reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to answer them and take good care of you.